episode of the tome show is brought to you by noble knight where out of print is available again and listeners like you thanks for using the tomes amazon and dd classics affiliate links hi this is wolfgang bauer author of forge of war expedition to the demon web pits and a whole lot of independent games you probably don't know you don't listen to the tome you're a sad sorry man Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show. And I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm Jeff Greiner. And in this episode, number 242, we're going to go to the local ice cream shop and order a burger and chicken tenders. What? It's not that hot, DQ? Darn. And I skipped dinner tonight, too. All right, well, I guess instead we're going to be reviewing Horde of the Dragon Queen. Uh, in the first half of the adventure that introduces the new edition of D&D. Joining us for this is our team of 5e introductory viewer, reviewers, the names for which is probably under some dispute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the round table, James Intracasso. Hey guys, how's it going? Happy to be part of Team Flumph over here. Uh, I'm really <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> And following him up is the man behind Sly Flourish. How do you pronounce it? Aeon Wave? Aeon Wave? <laughs> Aeon Wave. Aeon Wave, yes. Aeon Wave. Lazy Dungeon Master and more great gaming ebooks. It's Mike Shea. Hello, and I'm just proud to be part of Team Demi Lich. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, but not leastly, we have our illustrious editor and RPG muser, Sam Dillon. You know, I, I think all of our microphones must have been off because we all failed to laugh at Jeff's outstanding joke. Oh, I was laughing. I had it on mute. Yeah. I was, I, yeah, I was yeah. actually muted, too. You didn't like yeah. my hot DQ? As my, as my brother would say, I was laughing in here where it counts yeah. as he points to his head. You know, I had a whole bunch of crickets. Well, over here on, home, but I, uh, on Team wait, OTUG, wait, wait, we wait, understand wait, humor. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. See, this is Team Beholders. I don't know what, what you all have been listening to. This is it's just ridiculous, and especially after that DQ joke, we are not Team Odia. Okay. Demi Lich. I considered Orcus, but then I'm like, well, you know, that was that was a kind of a Fori thing, right? Yeah, that was the code name for yeah. Fori. Yeah. Oh, we should have been Team Morningstar. You can't be Team Dragon. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Team Tiamat. That's lame. <laughs> yeah, as lame as your DQ joke. <laughs> Moving no, on. Let's not be hasty. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's true. 
All right, so we're about to get into our review, but first, Noble Knight. You know them, you love them, and if you don't, you should. Why? Because they're a great online game store. Why else? Because without them, we couldn't pay the bills for the show, and I'm a teacher, man. I don't have money to pay for this kind of a hobby, but with their help, I can. And if you go to them to shop and let them know that we sent you, you're helping us, or at least you're helping them to help us, and that's awesome of you, man. You're my hero. Uh, and we'll need a hero tonight because Tiamat is on the rise and there is no way that Horde of the Dragon Queen wouldn't be our pick of the episode this time around it's currently $5 off of the normal price over at Noble Knight so go check it out Rudy, I have a big problem I can't find a place to buy or sell gaming products you know, I had that problem too then I went to my DM he told me about NobleKnight.com isn't that one of those internet stores? They are, but they're also a brick-and-mortar game store. Since using Noble Knight, I feel great! I can buy D&D and other tabletop RPG products from any edition, even stuff that's out of print. That does sound pretty great. Just pretty great! Get this, Noble Knight has all that, at a discounted price. And with Noble Knight, I can even sell them my old gaming products I'm not using anymore. Oh, wow. I've got to check it out. You don't have to ask your DM if NobleKnight.com is right for you. We're pretty sure it is, since you're listening to a podcast about the minutia of tabletop RPGs. People who use NobleKnight.com experience joy, having more money in their bank accounts, and lots of awesome gaming sessions. Seriously, why haven't you checked them out yet? Jeff Greiner uses NobleKnight, so should you. Well, my life has changed. It sure is, buddy. Soon, all our lives will be changed. All right, we're going to get into it. All listeners be warned, we can't do a good review on an adventure without discussing what's in the adventure. So this is your spoiler warning. We'll be discussing NPCs, story, and more. You have been warned. All right, jump into it. Uh, somebody tell me, what what is Horde of the Dragon Queen about? Uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen is an adventure wherein you discover that the cult of the dragon in Forgotten Realms has changed what they're doing, right? It's the same thing we've been hearing for a while. They've changed what they're doing, and instead of trying to raise an army of terrifying Draco liches, they are now trying to bring Tiamat out of the Nine Hells. And adventurers in this first part learn that part of that ritual to bring her forth from the Nine Hells involves amassing an enormous amount of treasure worthy of the Queen of Dragons, covetous as she is and they are trying to figure it all out and put a stop to it the horde's not that big (laughs) hey hey it's not the size of the horde (laughs) well it's the size of the dragon queen you summon with it and right right and it's only it's only part of the horde that's in this adventure right yeah there's more they're they're collecting all the little bits of horde all over the place and then all bringing it together in the the last place you would expect them to gather a dragon horde, the Well of Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would ever suspect that if the cult of the dragon is, is up to something, we should go check out that place. It's true. So, really yeah. So cover sto- that well. Story. I'm having Let- League of Legends uh, flashbacks now where you ward the uh, the dragon to see if the other team's trying to get it. No. Oh. You're 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 outside of my realm of expertise now. So story, let's talk about story. Horde of the Dragon Queen. Uh, James gave us a wonderful sort of rundown of what it is um, in a nutshell. Uh, the the more or less um, unspoilery version of it. 
but what, let's get into it. What, what do we think about the story? It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> Interesting. Boy, That's that an enthusiastic ringing, review. That was a ringing endorsement. Thanks for listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all done. Uh, um, I don't. I mean, it's you know, it, it's. I, I actually, I like that it's a pretty straightforward sort of scenario. That there's, you know, that it's different enough in in that entire parts of the adventure have you traveling from one area to another. Um, but there's there's nothing like you 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 find out. I think on your you know, if you have your first interrogation with your first kobold, you'll find out that the cult of the dragon is collecting treasure, right? Like. <laughs> There's, there's no big, huge surprises going on, which is kind of nice. Not to mention the fact that, like, you know, it's called Horde of the Dragon Queen, and right. somebody's going to figure that out. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, that's what that means. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. On the exactly. All right, so, so riddle me this. Um, I find out in, in Chapter 2 what, what the Horde is for. Right. Why do is it, I... Is it even that late? I think you can find well, out earlier Well, you could that, find out you? earlier than that. Um, but you definitely would probably... Well, I think... I would imagine most groups would probably find out in Chapter 2 because that's when you go to the to the cult camp, right? And and right. have the opportunity to possibly question them or, or investigate or whatever. Unless uh, they try to go in with uh, with swords blazing and massacre everyone. In which case, we have a total party kill and you can yeah. start over. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... so What's the incentive then for what is it chapter four the the travel montage? Mm-hmm. Like, why at that point are you not just trying to intercept the treasure? Because you're trying to figure out where they're taking the treasure, yeah. right? You Isn't don't that, you don't know you where don't know it's the, at. Yeah, right. you, if you stopped it, you're not figure out where it's at. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so let's say I've done that, and now let's fast forward to the end. Um, now I'm on a floating castle, and the treasure's there. And they're floating off somewhere. What's my incentive at that point for stopping the the horde? Well, that's only <laughs> part of the horde, right? Isn't there? There's yeah. more horde at the well of drag. Absolutely, no, absolutely. So, so the that's the thing is, I really like the story, and I think that because there's this second adventure after that, it mm-hmm. sort of makes. No matter what you do, it doesn't really matter because we've still got a ton of treasure adventurers, so we don't care what you do with this floating castle. You know, that's sort of what the end felt like to me was like, we we have so much treasure and, you know, that that was the one thing that, and I understand, they got to get you to the next next adventure, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the solve is, but it does make it feel a little bit like, why do we just go through all this if it didn't matter? You know, as, well, yeah, there's there's an even worse. There's a worse, and I I don't think I'm being over dramatic when I call it an atrocity, of, uh, and I'm kidding. That there is a <laughs> uh, there's this dragon mask, right? A mask of the dragon queen, which is sort of a MacGuffin. There's there's supposed to be what five of these things, mm-hmm. and master. You know, there's there's these dragon mask holders that have them. Resmir, who's kind of the main villain of this whole adventure, has one. And, of course, he puts it in a box that, if he's killed, teleports it away. So yeah. I, I always worry, and I, I, I hated this with um, Dragon Spear Castle, and I'm, 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 I'm already narrowing my eyes at it in this one, that we have the eternal MacGuffin that's chased by the PCs that they can never actually get well, a hold of but because story. But it's not even a very good MacGuffin because you, no. you don't even know what's in the box. And I'm, like, I'm the actually players better are gonna, off with that way. Right, yeah. The player's like, going to go into it. It's like, hey, we killed this guy. Let's, right. let's loot his stuff. We open a that, box. It's empty. That's, that's weird. Better, Move on. Right. You know? That's better than the elemental keys in, in Dragon Spear. <laughs> Which no matter what you do, you're the elemental key. Right, at least with the elemental key, at least with these, you're not chasing them. You right, know, in this right. one, you're not really chasing no, the masks. But, but, but I was still like, yeah, but you need these five masks to rescue Tiamat. You better hope the players never find out. 
Because then they're going to want to get the masks. And if they get one of the five masks, the whole thing is ruined. So it's like, get get the mask, throw it in a river, and you're done. But see, the the problem is that um, it's a very valuable treasure. So I would let my players get it. I would let my the PCs get it because I know they wouldn't just like go destroy it or or you know throwing it in the river. They they would know just by you know lore and knowledge. They would know that throwing it in the river is not really going to destroy it. And somebody else will just find it and then they'll you know they'll give it to the to the dragon cult and all that. And, so, and there is so, a chance you know, they could get it. But, well, and and the thing is, like, so then you get it, and then now they're going to be hunting you, right? Because they need that last mask to get. So yeah, but you know, not, but the, I'm, I would I'm guessing that's the way Adventure Eight isn't going to start out, right? No, <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I'm just saying, like, that's what I would do, and that's one of the problems I have with this is that it probably is not like you said, like you know, well, how would I? I would have to like go off on my own and then try to incorporate the second half of this back in, provided that they, you know, my group found the mask or whatever. Right. So yeah, it uh, it requires change. So here's the here's the the I guess issue with the story that I have that I wasn't um, leading you down the road very well to um, is that I don't feel like the story evolves. Like chapter one, chapter two, you figure out what they're doing, and then you spend the entire rest of the book just chasing this this treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you chase him along the road, and then you chase him to the swamp castle, and then you chase him to the hunting lodge, and then you chase him to the cloud castle, and then finally you get to do something about it, maybe, right? Um, so I, I feel like the story never changes. Like you're doing the same thing in chapter eight that you were doing in chapter two or three. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I feel like I wish. I feel like if my players are playing it, um, they're going to go through it and realize, you know, at, after maybe the swamp castle. They're going to be thinking, okay, well, what's next? No, it's just more of that. Let's keep doing that. <laughs> Let's keep chasing it. You know, well, I, I feel like the story's going to get tired for them after a while. Yeah, I, I got to be honest and say with my <laughs> with my group, okay, if they could take over that swamp, they're like, okay, this is our home base. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start <laughs> taking over the world now. Forget this dragon thing. Like, we'll you know we'll figure <laughs> it out. We'll fight them when they you know whatever. We've got the you know the bullywugs under us and the lizardmen, and you know we we are masters of this domain now. So yeah, they they wouldn't be like, oh, let's go keep chasing this you know treasure whatever they would be like hmm this is a pretty nice castle mm. yeah it's in a swamp but you know we can make them you know we can do something i mean we can work with this yeah. well yeah we can work with and this. ultimately i think i think all of that is is true and and i think because of that i feel like i wish i feel like this is 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 aiming towards a specific type of story right if my players go into it wanting to do like D espionage then, then they're gonna play the 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 story right. You know, they're gonna do the things you're supposed to do, and they're, they, maybe they get into that. But there's no hint early on or introduction for the DM that hey, you should you should make sure to preface with your players. This is the kind of story they're playing. It's not a mm-hmm. run in and, and go run through the dungeon and do whatever you want, right? It's it's the infiltration and and follow the bad guys and try to sort out clues about where, where they're going and what they're doing and who's the bad guy and who's not and all that. Because it's more of that kind of story. Well, yeah. even in what isn't there one one of the episodes like right at the beginning it says this runs like a spy movie you should you know tell your players that that's what it's doing yeah. and it's like well you could have told me that like three episodes right. ago yeah so I could prepare them where does it actually say that I don't remember that it's uh, I'll find it on the page <laughs> it is one of those things though that I, I really like that about this adventure like I. Uh, and I agree. They should have been way more explicit about that up front. And I think when I was reading it, it took me until about episode six to figure out, like, how do you not die? 
how how do you beyond the first episode not die in in any of these like and and so I do wish they had been more explicit about that and I wish they were more explicit about the lethality of some of the encounters they are explicit <laughs> at sometimes but not in others mm-hmm. and uh but I I do like the lethality and I do like that it is not just a straightforward hack and slash that mm-hmm. you can you can really spy your way through like I think that that's neat and for me if I were a player, I think what would keep me going would be, like, the fact that I figure out in the second episode, oh, holy crap, the Cult of the Dragon is coming together, and they're bringing back Tiamat, and I have to be part of the effort to stop that is what makes me not stay in the swamp, because a castle isn't going to be much good if Tiamat comes back. Also, you know, Temple well, Yeah. Well, so, yeah, it's a nasty place. So, yeah, but yeah. so I found I found the page. It's page forty. It's in episode five. It's under the heading of the Carnath Roadhouse, and it's the second to last sentence says, "This part of the adventure plays like a spy story. Stealthy characters should find plenty to do." You know, and there are way there are many other areas where you could say that same thing before this. Mm-hmm. You, know? well, you could have said it, it in chapter two, or you even chapter said, one, yeah. honestly. And and the thing is, like. Telling me it plays like a spy story, you know, as like I, as I was reading this, some of the things I was like, wow, that's really good advice. You know, they're they're really trying to help the DM try to make this into a cohesive thing because sometimes you know there's all these weird things going on and and they don't really necessarily seem connected. And yeah, there's the overarching story, and you know that you you find out that the dragon cult is trying to bring Tiamat back and all that, and they're taking the treasure somewhere. Okay, but sometimes there's like these weird divergent things and. Um, they give good advice in in some several cases about how to deal with that, and then you get to here, and the advice is, "Oh, this is like a spy story." Like, really? That I don't know. It just seems like some parts of this just really fall down for me. They just really don't stand up to to what it needed to be to keep mm-hmm. the story going. To me, it feels almost like a railroaded adventure combined with a sandbox. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, no. and it's weird. So I've 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 played through the or played through chapter one, and I'm into chapter two. Yeah, with we, should, two we, should, we should mention, and we should have done this on the top. What what is each of our experiences with the adventure? Read read through, played whatever. Yeah, and so I'm I'm actually running it for two different groups simultaneously, which is interesting because things I screw up with one group, I can then fix with the next, or <laughs> or, or sometimes vice versa, as I did as I did an, another mm-hmm. time. The guy who was supposed to be badly wounded, I have him jumping all over the place. I was like, oh, wait, you're supposed to have a bad leg. Whoops. Um, but one thing I noticed in and, and, and trying to run it, I'm always trying to think like, okay, I've got I've to stay a step ahead to know that whatever happens in Chapter 2 has to lead them correctly to Chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And while it's very sand, – like sand, uh, Chapter 2 is very sandboxy. It's like this big camp and you could go into the camp a bunch of different ways. A bunch of different stuff could happen to you while you're there. You could get captured. You could you know, sneak your way around. You could end up you know, early on pretending to be members of the mercenaries that are hanging out with the cult or whatever. Um, but you still have to get to chapter three, which requires that they leave the camp and then come back and then find that it's empty. Right. And yeah. you're like, that's, that's a, to me is like a critical thing. Like, well, what if they just say, ah, we're not going to bother to go back. We're just going to go straight into that cave. And you're right. like, oh, I don't know. You know, you can't, you know, you you're, well, you're sick and you got to get home. There's like a, a brief mention that if you decide to stick around, you'll just see that everyone's, breaking down the camp and leaving. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And, but there's a lot of moments like that. I, I ran yeah. into several moments, and this is indicative of, I guess, sort of an older school design. But there's several moments where um, if thing if if this check is missed, or if this thing doesn't happen, or if they don't do that, um, you know, then the 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 story kind of hits a big road bump block. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they try they try to ameliorate that some way, in some cases because they're like, well, if that doesn't happen or whatever, then you can try this other way to get them the information. So at least they make the effort there. In some cases, um, not in all. Yeah, in some cases, not in all. I think part of the problem is is like Tracy said, it's like some places it really really railroads you, and it assumes that the players will do a very specific set of actions and not do anything else and it, until the players do that set of actions or have their PCs do that set of actions you can't move further and mm-hmm. you know my players are all over the place they're not you know that and and the, at the same time this doesn't necessarily give enough instruction that I could you know I mean I have a lot of experience so I could you know hedge my players back into or hedge my the PCs back into the right on the right track but like, right. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's really, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for people who write published material because it has to be railroady to some extent because sure. otherwise it would be like 1,500 pages of every possible, you know, whatever. It would be a well. campaign source book and a whatever. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, but you, there are certain things you can do to to keep it. To keep it on although, the right track and not the, feel so railroady. The starter but, set adventure, uh, Fandelver, was, right. was mm-hmm. pretty darn sandboxy and way thinner than this. Yeah, and two yeah. two adventures that come to mind, you know, Keep of the Borderlands, of course, mm-hmm. is, isn't like that. And um, yeah. Isle of Dread are both kind of the adventures that I find ideal where lots of different things are going mm-hmm. on, but there's not necessarily a quote-unquote story. Right, there's no, there's no over, but that see, that's the problem is those are sandbox, so there's no story. It's just location. Right. This, this and Fandelver was a little bit the same, where it was, it basically presented these locations, and there was kind of a story, but you know, if the players didn't follow that, it wasn't yeah. going to kill the whole thing. Whereas yeah. this, if they don't do all of these right. episodes, right. you're gonna kind of be like, okay, well, what now? Uh, and and yeah. these yeah. these designers, writers were handed, you know, this is the story mm-hmm. we need. To oh yeah, tell, yeah, right? so, oh yeah. Well, that's why I say I have a lot of sympathy for the problem. Well, this type right. of thing, you know. Right. It's, it's actually it's tough to do. Sorry, it, it's it's actually interesting to hear some of the interviews that um, that uh, Wolfgang Bauer and who who's uh, there? Steve Winter. Steve Winter. Yeah, it's interesting to hear them talking about it because you can kind of hear where the tricky bits were yeah. with <laughs> yeah. the adventure. And one of them was like, "How the hell are we going to get all the way up and down the Sword Coast?" Mm-hmm. Right. Like they said, yeah. we just we you know we we're like, "Oh my God, they're going to have to travel 900 miles. How are you know how are we going to do that?" Actually, and that's why they have that yeah. chapter four. Yeah, well, see, that's my but that's, that's one my of the things they did really chapter. well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, my they did it. I think I think the, the it's opening also chapters almost, are really know, good. It's almost literally the most railroady, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the one where like yeah, kind of has to do that. Yeah, but not, not, yeah, not except entirely. not really because you because you're traveling, and so the setup is is good enough that it. It can come off railroady if it's okay. On this day, this happens, and on this day, this happens. On this day, this happens. But you, if you work hard enough at it, and you have all this NPC information, you can actually make it feel really organic, so and I, 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 and it I, I doesn't feel railroady. I didn't read it super clearly or closely, yeah. so so clue me in. You're 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 with mercenaries that are working for the for the for the. Cult of the Dragon, right? Well, right, so, but, okay, so but, get, the so, car- but the yeah. caravan only has three Colt wagons, and it's got like 2D4 other wagons, and each wagon has a proprietor or merchant or a family in it 
plus all of their entourage. Like it's it's a humongous caravan. So it's like a little traveling village, basically. The the hard part for me is I can't see why a group might not pick two or three other ways of of dealing with the caravan other than trying to to join in. You know, like they could just say, we're going to stop this horde and just beat those guys up till they tell us where we need to go. Well, and I could very easily see my party, uh, you know, hey, we've identified the three cult dragons. Let's just jump them and question them about where they're going. Right. Yeah. But the but the but the directive from the patron was find out where they're going and don't let them know that we're on to them because then they'll change their plan and that information will be no good. Yeah, but it's, okay. the patron's the not the patron's not right, exactly a, a patron yeah. patron either. It's more of a hey, we think you're of a like mind. Here's what we, what we kind of yeah. want you to do. But see, this is where this is where we come back to my what my problem was before that my my players will go and do all kinds of stuff that is not. Yeah, really ad- addressed in the adventure, and so I'm going to have to be adjusting to that, which is fine. But you know, it, it's one of those. That's one of the reasons, though, that I like that stretch of the adventure mm-hmm. the most because they can get to know people. But on the other hand, just to sort of move us along, that stretch of the adventure made the other towns and places they go seem so shallow. Because how is it they get so much time learning the people that are traveling in this transient group that are part of this limited time caravan, and yet the people in town weren't even as as well developed. There's like 20 NPCs, right? Yeah, you get a huge list of NPCs, (laughs) each with details and, and whatever. But you spend, I mean, you don't spend much time in any yeah. one particular town. You're spending you spend, like, oh, months with these guys, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. but my players are going to be like, oh, Waterdeep, I want to go here, I want to go there. I know we should be leaving, but we can catch up to them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I mean, I like, yeah. I like how one of the uh, random encounters is basically your group gets... Uh, replaced by actors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, but then they run into trouble and you have to save them. I'm like, why would I save yeah. them? Yeah, they tried to replace them. It's yeah. a really good alignment check right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually, um, this is one of the chapters that, you know, we, we've talked about, I think, at length about how th- this travel chapter, chapter four, is one of the more interesting, fun ones. And it's one of the ones that I think uh, Steve and, and Wolfgang have been very uh, up on. You know, they've loved talking about that one. And I think the opening chapter are both sort of the, the – they knocked it out of the park sort of chapters. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but there's also – this is the chapter – the travel chapter uh, is also the one – that highlights some of the editing issues that I had with the book. There's just a few areas where it's like an, a good editor should have caught that, and they had their own editor. And plus, Watsy went through it. Like, how did it? How is it that you've got your mm-hmm. list of D12 events, and two of them are wrong? Or the wrong name? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Well, too. High Holy Day isn't just the wrong name. They talked about that that specific yeah, adventure right. design that was caught. It's a different, yeah, yeah it's you know? not in there. And and the Golden Stag is listed as the Golden Hind. And then the previous chapter, uh, chapter three, opens up with it. You've got back to the, the abandoned camp. You can search it with you know uh, a wisdom perception check after the first hour, but there's no DC. <laughs> but there's also there's also a whole bunch of map errors that a simple editing would have caught. Like some some of the maps they just left a, a number notation or a letter yeah, notation off right. of or yeah, a door yeah. or and it's kinda like, okay, well, you know, I know that, you know, it's hard to make one of these products, but like that's the kind of stuff where someone reading through who is actually doing a back proof and looking at and didn't ha- you know, wasn't a writer is gonna see that and go, Oh, room number seven. There's no room number seven on this building. <laughs> Right. Well, and I mean, you know. and if if I mean, I read through this adventure exactly one time. If I can catch all that reading through at one time mm-hmm. in my free time, yeah. 
right mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and it's also there's there's even small stuff that would make it confusing i think it's a great adventure for an experienced dm because you yes. can hack it up and you can deal with the you mm-hmm. know the things we're talking about like right. if they decide to beat these guys up you know how to deal with that right you know how to get them from point a to point b and that kind of thing but there's even some of the mistakes that we're talking about like in uh, in the Swamp Castle chapter, chapter six, which would keep just calling the Swamp Castle. It has a name. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but but for it's got too many too many vowels in the near, name. Niratar. Yeah. yeah. So in the middle of the dungeon crawl, all of the read aloud text just drops out from page fifty two to sixty one. There is not a single read aloud <laughs> text block. At all in the book, which, you know, again, if you're an experienced DM, you may not even be using read aloud text, right? But if you're new, that stuff is helpful. It lets you know, like, oh, this is the information that the players should know. Although, I think this is a lot easier for a new DM than some of the products that came out before 5e officially came out. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Baldur's Gate and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. I also, I and, and since we're talking about the, the big dungeon, um, I also, this is the point where I started to think, like, some of the encounters uh, from this point forward feel uninspired, I think is the word I'm looking for, right? I just... It took you that, I'm sorry. Well, no, because the opening part, All I thought the, I thought the stuff in chapter one was interesting, uh, and mm-hmm. the encounters were interesting. The the enc- the encounters in the um, in the travel section, chapter four, were interesting and dynamic. Oh, my and favorite cool, encounters you know? in there. Yeah, absolutely. But but then yeah. I then then we start doing this dungeon crawl. It's like, well, there's just it's room after mm-hmm. room of nothing really going on, and the encounters are, hey, there's a lizard folk there, and and nothing interesting yeah. else going on, or, or you know whatever. Well, but that's a dungeon. I mean, well, and the the good news is that's going to go quick. Well, it, <laughs> but it's a dungeon. It, but it's not consistent with the lessons that I thought we had learned about designing fun adventures. Even going back into third edition, the th- in third edition is when they started using the encounter mm-hmm. uh, pages or whatever in adventures. And I don't know that they need to go to that again. Um, but this is you know this is an old school style dungeon description. You know, yeah. hey, there's there's a couple of lizard folk in there. There's an ogre in this room. Well, that's about it. I mean, I think the thing that it's lacking is some advice on how to connect things. Like it just it, it has sort of that um, monster in the closet feel mm-hmm. when when you read the descriptions. You know, oh, there's three lizard men right there, and up until that castle, whenever there were other factions or other people around, it would mention, it would say, you know, oh, well, that person's over there, and if they hear a disturbance in room nine, they might come over, you know, roll the whatever and see if they do. Uh, or they might do this other thing, but when you get to the castle, it's kind of like, oh, there's a guard drake there. Mm-hmm. If you disturb it, it attacks you. Oh, there's a, you know, lizard man, two lizard men over there. Oh, there's this, but yet no, you know, okay, I'm in the middle of a courtyard fighting three guard drakes and none of the other people in the rooms surrounding <laughs> the courtyard are going to notice. Right. Yeah. No, and I wonder how much of that isn't a function of the limitations they were under in terms of page count and, and budget. Mm-hmm. You know, my understanding is the way Watsi does this uh, or is looking to do, excuse me, this publishing model where they bring in the the design studio, Cobalt uh, Press in this case, uh, is basically they're like, well, here's the budget, 
here's the money you have. Here's a pot of money. Give us a product at the end of, at the end of the thing, mm-hmm. and, and let us check in and and, and you know, here's the story bible with and the yeah. main storyline, and you have to follow these certain right. things. But yeah. you know, they say, okay, well, with that with that budget and with you know these people working on it and art and this, and you have these requirements in terms of you know full bleed pages, uh, mm-hmm. you know edge to edge and and full color art on every, on every page and all that kind of stuff. Okay, this is what it's going to cost us, and so this is the page count we can afford. It's not like uh, it's not like if Coldwell Press was doing it themselves and they said, you know what. It's worth it. Let's add ten more pages. They don't. Right. They don't have that flexibility, you know. Yeah. Um, right. So I, I wonder how much of it, you know. We can't do these big bombastic, you know. I, but I almost wish we just had smaller dungeons with fewer rooms, but but more interesting things going on in them. See, yeah, and you know, I feel like the castle is such a huge structure. Like they could have made it a smaller tower mm-hmm. and still gotten the same sort of effect, and then made the sky castle bigger. Yeah, mm. you know, or if they wanted a big one, make the sky castle the big piece and leave the other the other one. But you know, then there's the idea of well, they have to have a certain amount of experience to get through. So you have to, you know, as you go on further in level, it takes more experience to get yeah. to the next level. So yeah, we're back you to have to have right. Well, but I'm just saying, like, so they're mm-hmm. leaving it up to the DM whether they want to use milestones or actual XP. So they can't railroad you into saying, oh, if you run this, you have to use milestones. Mm-hmm. So they have to provide both options. Mm-hmm. Well, right. no, and that, that's an old school problem with design, right? Is that you have to include a certain number of counters per chapter because you got to get the levels in. Yeah. It, well. Uh, I think it might be an old school idea, but I don't think it's a problem. I mean, there are reasons that milestone XP isn't good for certain games. So, for example, if you if you if a PC dies and you have that PC come in, if you want that PC to start back at first level and everybody else is at third level, you can't do milestones because that person will never catch up. Mm-hmm. But right. if you if you don't use milestones, that person will catch up before those other characters even hit fourth level. Sure. Right. So there are, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I'm, you know, there are certain pros and cons to doing either one, and but, you know, so the, I'm just trying to explain why that that dungeon has to be so large. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, you're right. No, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's one of the great things about the milestone system is it provides designers a lot more flexibility. But since you have des- design for both, that you, your 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 explanation as to why that dungeon is that way makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But what what I really what the made the dungeon interesting for me because I do think you're right Jeff there's a lot of it feels very old school like there's this thing here there's this thing here is everything that comes before mm. you have a lot of story before and again it's not explicit about like this could be the way you could play this they hint at it they give some examples but they don't go right out and say like play this you know, play these factions against each other and that kind of thing. But I, I like the way I pictured it is like you're going through, you're pretending to be cultists, and you have this army of lizard men allies. And every time you go into a room and there's a lizard man, they convince him to join. And then lizard men are killing frog people as you're walking through the chaos, taking what you need, and cultists are running around screaming. And like to me, that was the interesting part is oh, how yeah. Play that's, every, well, that's totally yeah, interesting, you, and, and that's you, one of 500 ways it could go. Yeah, but if you, if you so the, the key is, you know, they didn't give a lot of advice about, you know, put pressure on the players. Give them the idea that there's a time limit, that, you know, things are happening, and you need to get through this through this yeah. particular area as quick as possible, and, and find this, yeah, and find this, yeah. find the information you need, and find the 
portal and find all that stuff in a time limit. So it's to your benefit to use the factions to talk to the people and you know, and they have like the what is the the um the lizard man snapjaw or something whatever his name is and you know he could become a possible really good ally and th- that's the really interesting thing about the castle and if you do that and if you gather some allies some of those lizard men are guards in the castle so they'll lead you through and tell you where things are and you don't have to you can actually bypass a lot of things but that's also and, one of the one of the areas know. where if one check doesn't play out that way that whole element right, of right. the story is gone. Well, that's that's why you need advice because right. yes, yeah, exactly right. Know, I just yeah, every every chapter yeah. needs a good half page of DM advice for how to do things in this chapter, or different ways it might go and, and spell, well, spell yeah, it out like for us. Important, like hey, here are the three things you absolutely have to do in this. Yeah, right, right. You have to have this happen. You have to have like you can screw around with all the rest and you can have them go wherever they want, but make sure these three things occur. Exactly, because the other thing is, if the other lizard men are unhappy, right, and you do kill Snapjaw by accident, you know, again, an experienced DM would say, oh, maybe the the players overhear some lizard men fighting or lizard men talking about how they hate bullywugs, and the players can get that idea. But if it doesn't say that, that's that's really one of the big problems, right? Is this lack of explicit sort of DM advice would be nice to have in there. I feel like we're, we're coming off relatively negative on the whole thing, but I also feel like we're, we're working hard to, ex- to figure out how to make it work because there's enough here that's really cool that mm-hmm. I think it's worth trying to make it work. You know, I, I feel like the first half is, is phenomenal and the second half just needs that advice and I need to know from the beginning, oh, I need to present to my players, we're running an espionage game. No. Mm-hmm. So don't make your... your half-orc barbarian that's going to scream and charge into every situation or you know don't make the 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 paladin in plate mail who's clunking around and and is going to thrash every evil creature he sees well but but you need those two guys at the first episode <laughs> because otherwise it's going to be a tpk i mean the first episode is very brutal and i and i i'm not i'm not saying that as a complaint i think it's meant Love to be it. that way. It's it's meant to be you're basically in the middle of a war zone and here it's being played out and mm. you are going behind the scenes. You cannot beat this force head on. So you have to try to sneak around. And it actually gives right, it gives good advice about, you know, you don't require everybody to necessarily make a stealth check. You do like a party stealth check with the best DC and if it fails by so, you know, x number, then maybe they get caught or then they get ambushed or whatever. And it do, it gives does really good advice that way that doesn't make it necessary for the paladin in plate mail to be passing a DC 15 stealth check but then it sort of th- those things fall off and you don't you no longer get that advice later on well, when you still really need it and that paladin in plate mail it's, it's not the plate mail that's going to hurt him into the castle it's the fact that oh there's evil creatures i must slay them it's right. that attitude so yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you i mean as a player and, and actually, I'm not planning on DMing this. I'm actually planning on playing it. Uh, if people, people who listen to the uh, the book club know Andy Meyer, <laughs> who's going to DM it, right, um, for me. And so now, you know, I know I need to make sure he understands that we need to present this to the table as this is a specific kind of game, and I'm not going to make that kind of character because I know that it's that character is not going to have any fun. But the whole party has to be on board, right? It only takes one yeah. guy that says, "I want to do the guy who slays evil all the time." To, yeah. to mess up the whole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, like, there's co- consequences to a lot of choices that kind of go counter to the very um, n- not detailed uh, player characters, like the guy, lawful stupid sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, think- and you can absolutely go through this adventure with the I'm going to hack and slash everything, especially the second half. Uh, it's going to be a long slog through uh, a bunch of dungeons, right? Um, you know, as James pointed out, the most interesting thing is that dynamic of playing people off of each other. But and you can choose not to do that. In which case, it's just, hey, look, there's a room with a couple of lizardmen. Hey, here's another one with some bullywogs, and you just keep going through it that way, um, room after room. Um, but that's going to be a real, real slog. It's going to get. I think it's going to get real old real fast. And then if you keep doing that through the whole thing, there's no reason story wise that you wouldn't just be completely left in the dust. And they they flew away with the treasure hoard before you ever got there. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why I say you have to. There needs to be some way to give them a time a time limit. Yeah. You know, they need a time limit. You don't have mm-hmm. time to go fight through the whole dungeon, yeah. not because right. fighting takes so long, but because uh, if you do that, you're going to have to go take a, lo- a long rest, and mm-hmm. that's going to kill a day, right. and now you're a day behind. Well, and then the other issue with that, though, is to learn – spoilers uh, – to learn how to work the portal, you need to get to Resmir's room. Mm-hmm. So you have to do a little bit of exploring because you got to find out enough information yeah. to move to the next step. So it's it's a really weird balance to say, oh, well, you need to go fast. You got to put time pressure on. But oh, but by the way, they might have to go through most of the castle to find the information. <laughs> well, that's why you need to use the factions, and that's why the the advice kind so of somebody falls down so there. somebody can tell them, hey, you know, right. an NPC can be like, oh, you need mm-hmm. to check out Resmir's. Uh, he's yeah. up here, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Well, and they have advice on balancing time in the last chapter <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. when they're when they're talking about when the castle should leave, and they're like, "Hey, this is tricky. We get it." And uh, <laughs> and uh, it would be great if that came. Sorry, a, a, a little yeah. further. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, ultimately, and that, and hopefully, that's what people are getting out of this discussion is that we're, we're, I mean, we're I think I feel like we're giving some of that advice, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I'll just you know what. Uh, so I'll say I think um, an adventure this size, if I was going to run it normally, um, and I didn't review it first or whatever, I might try to get by with reading like the first couple of episodes and then saving the rest, you know, and reading it as we go. But I will. The, my advice that I'm going to give is anybody who really wants to run this for their group, they need to read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then figure out how to make sure that they work in everything that's necessary to get their players to have the buy-in by the time you get to you know the fifth and sixth chapters and seven and eight. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's going to be it might be relatively di- now. Different groups are different groups, right? So some people just you know they're playing whatever the DM is throwing at them, and they'll you know they might flounder at some space you know some places in here because they won't quite know where to go, and the DM will have to work hard to give them clues. But I mean. I, as a DM, I feel like I'm kind of glad we did this review because I needed to read this whole thing. Whereas at first, I had only read the first couple of chapters, and normally that would be okay for me. But this one really, you got to read the whole thing. Oh, let me ask you then, Sam. T- since you're saying you're glad, does that mean you are planning on running it still? Because I think that um, means high marks for the adventure. If, you know, well, so there's a lot that I like about it. And there's a lot, so, you know, it's really funny because we've been talking about this as though, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a very linear railroady sandbox. And the thing is, I have two groups, right? The thing is that that's really great for my, for one of my groups, not so great for the other group. So I probably won't run it for the other group, but for the first group that it's really good for, it's going to teach them a lot of really cool things and it'll be easy to run for them because they're, they're sort of at that stage where they need a little bit of railroading, but they like to feel like they can explore a little bit. So the sandboxy mm-hmm. stuff works really well. So I think for them, I'll run uh, now. I, I am withholding judgment till I see the second half. 
because because <laughs> we've been burned on that before. Yeah, we've been burned <laughs> on that before. So I, I want to see how it kind of goes because honestly, if I don't like the second half as much, I'll probably run half of this. I'll run it through the through the care into the caravan and uh-huh. then I can we can the resolve something more you know locally and then they can do whatever so you know the the, the thing is that I have kind of a love hate relationship you know you're asking if I really endorse the adventure I have kind of a love hate relationship with it because the parts about it that I like are the ones that let the characters explore different NPCs and talk to different people and move along the sword coast and all that mm-hmm. but here's the thing I don't play in the Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. So oh. I have to convert mm-hmm. everything. And the problem is everything that they that I like about this goes away if I move it to a different world, right? So, right. Yeah, you know, actually, so, that, that's an interesting conversation I had with uh, Andy, who's going to run this mm-hmm. adventure. And he's going to DM it for our mm-hmm. group. Uh, is that he's like, oh, well, I don't want to to play in your sandbox, Jeff. We did this whole 30-level 30, uh, 30 fourth edition Forgotten Realms campaign. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play into, play into that realms. And I'm like, oh, dude, totally don't worry about that. Like, just start over and do your own realms. I don't care about any of that. Where I, yeah. I, so far as I'm concerned, that story is over. We're done. Yeah. Whatever. And he's like, oh, I was thinking about doing it in Dragonlance. And I'm like, I don't think you've read as much of it as I have. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, I mean, you could do the work to make that happen, but I think it really – suits the setting decently well, at least in certain parts. There are certain parts where it suits the setting really well as a Realms guy, and there are certain parts where it's like, I don't understand where you're at and what you're doing with the setting, but... Mm-hmm. Um, which is actually one of the story issues I have, right? Is that there are setting issues that are never explained. Like, um, since when was Tiamat in hell? That's mm-hmm. not a thing that's ever been told to us. <laughs> ever. And so that TMS trapped in hell, right? The TMS trapped yeah. in hell. Like that's not Bit something banished that, to the nine hills. Right. That's not something that's part of the Forgotten Realms lore at this point. That that's a story that's happened. Um so that's interesting. Um I wonder if Well there was <laughs> there was something that. about that that really niggled at me and it was like, Oh, Tiamat's trapped in the nine hills. Oh, but she can come out and watch this person like when you read the backstory, it's like, Oh, she watched this whoever it was and she was uh she liked what they had done or I whatever and so she she bestowed upon them some sort of, you know, whatever. And it's kinda like yeah. Well, yeah. Well, uh, if she's trapped in the nine hells, how the hell is she like bestowing all this knowledge and watching and doing? All- I mean, like you know, it's co- sort of like I get it. I you know, I can I can finagle the planar issues there and not be a problem. But it's kind of really vague and specific at the same time. It's very weird. Yeah, and 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 I've, I think um, I've heard and, and they talked about this and people asked them this at Gen Con as well. Um, and they're like, "Hey, we worked from the story bible we got," you know. Um, which is fair. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Evans, uh, who writes the Brimstone Angel series and we're reading in the next book club, um, Fire in the Blood, also mentioned that she, it plays into her story a bit as well. And that, you know, there's a there's this thing where if you go and throw something down Tiamat's gullet, it's destroyed forever and that might be a thing that somebody wants to do, right? Uh, and mm. So apparently Tiamat in the Nine Hells is going to play into her novel as well. So I wonder if we won't get some of that backstory there. But right now it's like, no, Tiamat's been fine for as long as I know and now suddenly she's trapped and we got to free her and there's a whole story about it right which is is now yeah (laughs) and it's funny because I think part of Sam's comments right about like wanting to flesh out water deep if his players want to spend time in there uh, uh, maybe a lot of this would be helped if we had even just a little bit of a like sword coast campaign campaign yeah 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 Yeah. um yeah, we got plenty of Baldur's Gate. Like I know Baldur's Gate's one of the places, and there's a whole Baldur's Gate adventure mm-hmm. that's got tons about it. If if you own yeah. that stuff, right? Yeah. If yeah. you already bought that product, yeah. 
mm-hmm. and never winter, but nothing for Waterdeep yet. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, never winter. They just have to assume that everybody knows what never winter. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, the th- and I guess that's part of my problem is I can look at this map, which is beautiful, by the way. I love the cartography in this thing uh, some, I made a for most of it. of it. Yeah. Um, so the map is great, and the way they describe everything is great, and all that. But there's so much on here that the the party is just not allowed to to like explore. But yet they go right through it. Yeah. So I'm kind of – that's part of my thing, you know, and it it goes back to that whole thing about setting. Like, well, if I want to port this to a different setting, yeah, it's not that hard. But on in some respects, eh, it kind of is Wait. because it's very tied to the realms. But on the other hand, them not describing the towns actually makes it easier for me to port it over. So, you know, I – yeah, it's kind of – I you know, I just, it's got I just, pros and cons. I just had a, a revelation. As you were describing the map, I turned to the page and looked at it. Mm-hmm. The Cult of the Dragon is stealing treasure down in Greenest, traveling all the way up north of Waterdeep in order mm-hmm. to get to a portal to send it to a spot that's a, yeah, a third of that distance away from Greenest. <laughs> Why didn't they just take the treasure straight to, to the Flying Castle? Wouldn't that have been way faster? You gotta uh. gotta throw the throw the cops off the scent. Thanks for ruining my adventure, <laughs> Jeff. Just, yeah. Okay. You gotta you gotta you never know when adventurers might be tailing you in the car. I mean, there's not there's <laughs> right. not it's a, a big, direct road big there. Bit of so this maybe, direction. There's not a road there, so that's that may be a thing. But still, <laughs> just seems weird. And no, yeah, I think that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> they travel. I mean, they they are lugging that stuff about four times further than they need to. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, and. I had already realized that because I don't know the map. Like you know, like I know the names of some of the major towns, but I didn't, so I looked at the map a lot when I was reading through this thing, and I saw that like in the second episode, I'm like, oh wow, this is a big area, whatever. And then when they did the whole travel up, I'm having to refer to the map and refer to the map, and then I get to to episode six, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> they're all the way back down hmm. there again. Yeah, so that's when I, I mean, first, that's when I went back to the map because they're like. Oh, you're back. You're now. You're at this hunting lodge, and I'm like, uh, okay, where's that? And I look at the map. And it's nowhere on the map. Oh, they kind of mentioned this one town nearby. Oh, mm-hmm. it must be down there. And now it just now occurs to me they went all the way back up and then came almost all the way back down, but they're following the same stuff. Like, why didn't they, they just go the short route? All right. Well, I guess we have to. Um... <laughs> uh, I actually, Mike, you said you're you're running it right now. Yeah, yeah. I plan on running the whole thing. So how super deadly is the oh, first part? Because it seems super well, deadly. Yeah. So I, 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 I have a firm belief that uh, people shouldn't even start at level one in D&D. And, well, uh, in 5e, right? In 5e, yeah. That, that level two is a much better place to start for today's, for today's gamer. And um, this certainly, like, I, I honestly felt like the authors of the adventure want to punish us for fourth edition. <laughs> I, I feel like they're like, oh, you you loved it with your thirty hit points at level one, didn't you? Well, have some rat swarms. What do you think of that? Right? Rat swarms. Like, no, if it was just rat swarms, that'd be one thing. It's a freaking blue dragon. <laughs> yeah, but I don't see both groups I had were more afraid of rats than dragons by the end of this. Oh thing. yeah, yeah. They, well, both dragons are intelligent. Them. You can parlay with them, right? Right, and and well, and, and so that gets to another thing, you know. And I don't want to just keep bashing because actually, I really like it. I'm having a hell of a time running it for both the groups the groups like it and i'm actually 
I, I, I enjoy holding it in my hands. I enjoy flipping through it. I enjoy reading it, and I can't wait to, to run the whole thing. And I love that it's this early in, in 5th edition, and I already can take a whole group to level 14 with two, with two books. With two books, yeah. Um, so I, I dig that. I dig, I dig Tiamat. I'll, I'll get you know, all of the problems that we've talked about. I'm sure I will find. I'm a smart guy. I'll find a way to get around them. Right. You know, I'm, I'll find a way to make this a decent There's a adventure. core there that's good enough to make it worthwhile doing that. Yeah. And, and one thing, just, just to keep praising, to throw some compliments on it, is as a lazy dungeon master, I, I hardly do any prep for this. Mm. Like, I do, I, I do the important thing that, that Sam was talking about, which is I read far enough ahead. And I, so I haven't read the whole thing carefully through to figure out exactly how people are going to get from point A to, 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 to point F. But I certainly want to look at least one chapter ahead and make sure they can get that one chapter ahead. Mm-hmm. And and I do exactly what we were talking about, which is I write down like what are the things I absolutely have to ensure they do for this next chapter, so that then I know what I can just let them do whatever the hell they want. And and that that's pretty much all the prep that I do, um, which speaks pretty well. And and I have to make up a lot while we're actually playing. Um, but that mm-hmm. speaks pretty well, I think, for an adventure that it's it's it's. You know, it's a relatively small book. It's ninety-six pages. It's still covering seven levels worth of content, and yet, and and it packs like the whole burning of greenest part is like five pages or four pages. Mm-hmm. Right, a little there's bit a, long, but there's but, a lot going on there. But there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, but in the first, yeah, in the first chapter, there's two scenes where the party is put up against things they can't beat, mm-hmm. and. I guess on one side you're like, well, that's the world, right? You don't necessarily, but like, who at level one expects to face an adult blue dragon? And the big question I had is, why is that dragon even there? Like, why does the dragon give a crap? But see, right? like, but it's these, like, that's I'm the, the thing. Blue dragon, like, I don't just go kill guards. Yeah, but then then it's then it makes it very explicit in two or three places in that chapter how the blue dragon doesn't care and it's just gonna like burn a couple things and then leave because it's really been just coerced and it's kind of like mm, I, I don't know so let me address the the thing about level ones and being so squishy and all that I, I think so here's the thing about it um this edition has a very sort of distinct or let me say it has a very different play style than fourth edition had and i yes. don't think that they made I don't think they made episode one so deadly to punish people for fourth edition. I think they're trying to say, look, this is way different, way, way different. And so throw away your expectations that you had if you were only playing fourth edition until right now, because it's complete. And even if you played the fifth edition playtest, it's, it's different. So, get ready for it. And you know what? If you're level one and you die, you just create a new character. Like it's not that long. It's not that hard. Just whatever. And like, I know people don't like to hear that, but it's a very, like, I feel like they're trying to build that into this edition. You know, it's them having first level be only 250 experience points and second level being only, only, you know, six or 300 and then only 600 more to get to third level. You know, I think that that's sort of their compromise to the, to the sort of, older editions of, you know, having really squishy characters, but yet you go through that so fast. And I think they're trying to teach people that it's okay for the game to be deadly. You just have to play a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Although, although, I mean, Fandelver, your first encounter with goblins can teach you the lesson that the game is more deadly, right? This, Mm -hmm. this is, um, 
I mean, it is you hit an encounter or you have a mission and you come back and you can maybe get in a short rest and then you have mm-hmm. another encounter and you have another encounter and you have and they're on mm-hmm. and on and on. Oh, yeah. And just, yeah, it's and, a war yeah, zone. And there's, and there's no chance to rest. You know, even if they chose to, you're in the middle, like, like you said, you're in the middle of a war zone. So you can't rest. You're going to either have to survive this. Or more likely, you're going to die because because there's mm-hmm. no way you can keep up that that pace. You know? So yeah, I mean, look, so this is actually there's an interesting thing here because I, I think it's kind of a a a you know sort of post post nine eleven mentality towards storytelling that I'm seeing in everything these days, and I see it in video games. I see it. The Neverwinter MMO had this, uh-huh. which is everything now has to start with the world crumbling around you. And, you know, war and people, you know, jumping on fire out of buildings and you have to like come in and save the day at, at level one. Right. And it doesn't feel like games can start off with just like, OK, you're in a small village and, you know, <laughs> the, the barkeep is upset that some big rats have grown in his basement. And you could use your help with that. Everything has to be sort of this apocalyptic view. And then like things kind of get nicer after you settle with the apocalyptic part of it but yeah. mm-hmm. i just i see this in more and more stories these days and it, and it wears on me we're like i just don't you know and it was fine like i, I, I played one, it as one is. no one like had a problem it, this one seems like it does it really well like it, i like i like a story that begins sort of in media res and this one does that well yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah I, I enjoy it but but those those rat swarms like you know i've played a lot of D over the past you know 15 years and those rat swarms shocked me at how brutal they are and like i you know i design monsters right like I've, I've i've spent a lot of time thinking about this and i was still totally taken back like you're, you're supposed to have four level one characters fight them mm. and i had level i had six level two characters because i started them at two my group was was absolutely adamant that they don't start at one because they've they played through the play <laughs> test like 50 times mm-hmm. they've been level one over and over and over again they just want to start at level two and they started level two. I had six level two people. And I'm like, well, I better throw in a third rat swarm since they're one level higher and there's six of them instead of four. And they, <laughs> and, and they had three people drop mm-hmm. and almost die. And everyone else had to like scramble to figure out what to do against the rats. Mm-hmm. And, and I ran another group through it and they had three level two people and they, all three of them had to run. Like, in fact, two of them were down and one of them dragged the other two out and set fire to the place. Do you, <laughs> do you think then that based on that experience... Um, because this this is sort of what I'm thinking, right? Is if you kick off the game with a lot of lethality, yeah. I don't think they're going to approach those future dungeons in a slash kick in the door way. The, the problem I have with is I'm not sure they're going to want to keep wanting to play 5e if that's yeah. their first experience. <laughs> exactly right. You know, no, like and that's me, fair. That's fair. Yeah. The other weird thing that I've noticed is uh, our group just got to level three, and it's like an entirely different game when they hit level three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They are they it is totally like, you know, last night was the time when they went from level two to level three and every PC was radically different than they had. They had all this divergence between the types of characters they were. They had all these new abilities mm-hmm. I, I had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because they they most of most of the characters split into that, you know, the main kind of the main uh, archetype for mm-hmm. whatever class they pick. But right. boy, they're they are totally different characters than they were. That's and cool. and it makes you think like if you want that experience and I think they've said it before and I just I think that we're not listening is that they say if you want that experience start them at three or start them yeah. at two and then they can grow well, at right. three but this adventure is designed to start at three. three 
Well, right. who cares? <laughs> like, right. Well, actually, with the see, flat math, it doesn't matter at so, all. Yeah. Well, but if so you're playing the adventure also, is written, you, you know, you start right, it first. No one but can Jeff, play the but, adventure is written. But That's this true. is, but this is how this is the good thing about Milestone. So I was sort of dogging on him earlier because I said it messes up if you, you know, if a PC dies or whatever. But here's the good thing about Milestones: you start them at level three, they just don't get to level four right. until they pass yep. episode three, and nobody yeah. notices because right. they're badass at level three and you know i mean yeah it's it has you know it yep. is true at third right. level i've noticed my my other p- group has recently they everybody went up to level three and it was like whoa it's completely yeah. different totally different so, yeah. here, so here's what i've yeah. learned tell everybody up front that it's an espionage game and start at level three no start <laughs> at level two the well thing about the, two is they're meaty enough to handle it but then they mm-hmm. still grow into three. You dropped yeah. you dropped half a party of, of, yeah. of six uh, guys. Don't, and, and don't, don't add another rat swarm. Against rat yeah, swarms. Don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. Those battles, those are the battles they're going to remember five years from now. Mm-hmm. They're not going to yeah. remember anything else about the burning of Greenrest, mm-hmm. but they're going to remember those stupid rat swarms. And that, <laughs> so no, I don't think you should change it at all. And I think if you have a bunch of people, go ahead and throw a third in there and let them scramble. Because they, they'll remember those rat swarms. And they're like... Yeah, I don't really care about that dragon. I just don't want to fight another rat swarm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I still think about my third edition first level encounter with moon rats as the most frightening encounter I've ever had, um, which are intelligent rats that get more intelligent based on how full the moon is. Um, so, and, and then they became recurring villains. Whenever there was a full moon at night, we would like hole up and like, you know, put furniture against the door and windows and stuff. Yeah. And that, that's actually, so, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. It, it, it speaks to something that's interesting about the design of fifth edition, which is that within monsters, even at the same challenge rating, there's a lot of separation in the difficulty of monsters. Like you'll have some that are the same challenge rating as another, and they aren't necessarily the same kind of challenge. And I actually like mm-hmm. that. It's it feels like the nice sharp edges we had on older D and D. And and not this kind of perfectly smooth. If you tell me the level, I can tell you exactly what his armor class right. saves and hit points are. Mm-hmm. So I'm, All I'm right. Kind of so one, of, one like other it's, thing. It's been an hour, so we should start wrapping yeah. up. But go so, ahead, Sam. So one other thing I want to say too, if anybody who's used to playing and and I and maybe this is just my perception and I'm wrong, so you can correct me if I'm if I'm incorrect in in this. But um, I always think of, of Forgotten Realms as a very high magic setting with with lots of sort of fantastical different elements that that are magic based, and there's not a lot of that in this adventure. This yeah, this right. adventure is well, but okay, well, that's one thing nope, out no, of. That's, yep, that's it. You know, and and there's really, and I don't mean magic items. That's not what I'm talking about. And although it is low on those, but I'm talking about just fantastical. Like you know, when you think of Forgotten Realms, you're thinking of like you know, just everything you know, floating lanterns and and you know, e- extremely interesting like magic imbued in in all things and you know whatever mm-hmm. um it's a very high magic fantastical world and this is a this product presents the forgotten realms as a very diminished world diminished mm-hmm. in magic like it's not high magic it's very um it's it's most things hinge on mundane items and mundane sort of the way the world is very mundane, and I mean mundane is a non-magical, not mm-hmm. like boring, um, and that's very different. In fact, <laughs> I, I'm a low magic person, so I actually liked it a lot. But if somebody is expecting a Forgotten Realms with you know all this fantastical you know light shows and whatever, they're not going to get that in this product. Mm. Other than all the dragons, 
other than the dragons. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I have one other thing like about the creatures and and whatnot. You know, they're mostly humanoids. There's not a lot of fantastical creatures mm-hmm. in here other than the couple of dragons. So, and then oh, oh, one comment that I forgot that we didn't really talk about at all other than the maps, the art. The art for the people in this product, they all have the strangest angles to their faces. Like their look, the looks on their faces are really weird and their, their head is tilted this very strange. It's a very, like if you look on page 15 at Frulam Mondeth, like, yeah, they're all a little odd. Yeah. They're all very like, and the and their clothing sort of is flowing around them as though they're in the middle of a scene, but yet there's nothing in the background and like yeah. I, I don't know. If you I look at like, Leo, Leosin on page nineteen, it also looks yeah, a little strange. I just I, I don't like the effect. And the thing is that the half page art that they put on the episode facing pages, those are great. But the the ones where it's individual people just like in the middle of a page, yep. they're just not. I just don't like them. I and just com- stylistic. You know, Com- yeah, stylistically, I don't like it. Compared to the, the the player's handbook, was fantastic. Oh, which reminds me of another thing. This book, this book smells like a new book, not like a bad <laughs> ink PHB. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I noticed that was one, noticed that was one of my complaints. The art. Yeah. the art, the art is a different style, and it's you know it's Coldwell Press, right? So they did their yeah. own artists. They they did all their own layouts and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the art, um, it's. Other than the cover, it's not the same style of art as the players, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I wonder – I don't know if I'm worried about it, but I wonder if we – as we see more of uh, this design studio model going forward, um, are we going It'll to see sort of the look of D&D be more muddled or is it going to be consistent, you know? Which, you know, I, I'm okay if it's muddled because then that's another thing to comment on with other products. But Well, and, uh, and the, the art can match the story without mm-hmm. having to worry about keeping right. up with the, 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 com- the standard or whatever. Yeah. So one thing I would bring up too is like I think there's still room for more diversity in it. But Absolutely. I did like that there were uh, female characters even in the background. Like in the pretty early, we see mm-hmm. the family uh, running and the father is the one that's injured and carrying the kids mm-hmm. and the mother's the one with the shield and the sword sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she'll I, fight to the death. Yeah. yeah. So I liked a lot of that. I feel like there could have been more and I, um, I didn't quite look close enough, but it didn't necessarily feel like there was, uh, diversity of like different, uh, ethnic groups. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I, I, I liked that a lot in it. Yeah, there were some elements like that that were really good. I did uh, just on numbers. I did a count at one point of the in- named NPCs in the appendix, and it was about two thirds uh, male. Um, so I mean, it, yeah, it's got, room, matches, it's got room for growth, and that matches about with the twenty NPCs that were named. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. they gave yeah. the gender rate with the description. Yeah. it yeah. was a uh, two to one male. Yeah. Mm. So. But at least in that case, also, the females were as interesting, if not more interesting, yes. yeah. than the males. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. And honestly, some of the, I mean, in that case, like, if you look at those, all those NPCs, um, you know, one of the probably more crucial and interesting ones was, was one of the female, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gem- Gemna. 
Well, yeah, but she's in main. I'm talking about the like giant list of NPCs. This is the on list pages. of NPCs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 32 and 33. They give you like 15 or 20 NPCs and yeah. just the sort of generic ones that, but remember, this is that road episode. So they're going to be like stopping and camping around these people and, mm-hmm. you know, you're, they're supposed to get to know them. So, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any other last thoughts? Yeah, I just want to mention my most favoritist, favoritist, um, encounter is the fungus humongous on page 35 <laughs> and i just the the this fun they wake up one morning after camping and like this it's corrosive fungus has taken over and you can easily chop your way out of it but when you do like you you pop the little fungus the little fungaloid thing and this little poof of black like spores flow yeah, out and it doesn't, shrieker, shrieker doesn't kill anybody yeah but instead of shrieking they like give this sad moan mm. and anybody who like tries to clear the area for 20 minutes or something gets really despondent and sad and depressed and, and has to like stop they they can't kill the mushrooms anymore because the the sound of the mushrooms dying is so disconcerting yeah. It's just it's a very it's you know compared to some of the other things in this it's a very interesting way to have a a non lethal item that can still have an interesting effect that could cause them to have some cool role playing and mm-hmm. yeah it's just I like that kind of thing there are some yeah. moments like that and that's one of the reasons I like that roadside or the the road episode oh it's super fun it's super yeah. super fun I uh I actually I think the one thing that I want to say is that despite the 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 quibbles that we have I, it sounds like we're all looking forward to running it or playing it or chopping it up or or whatever um and i i for me that's like the mark of a good adventure that there's a lot of really i mean guys you get to ride a wyvern and chase a flying <laughs> ice castle that yeah. uh that's pretty awesome you know um so i think for me, like I, I do have quibbles, and I do think that if it's your first time playing, even though you can just buy this book for thirty dollars and download a bunch of PDFs and and be ready to play with nothing else, which is pretty cool. Um, I think if it's your first time DMing, I would uh, maybe avoid this product. But if you have DM before, I, I say go for it, man. It's it's great. You know, I I, I really enjoyed reading it. I and I think it's it's going to be a blast to play. Yeah, honestly, if if I didn't think there wasn't there was value in it, I would have emailed you all a week ago and said, "Hey, let's not do this review," you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to waste our time with products that aren't worth our time, you know. <laughs> well, I think that speaking to what James, I, I've read a lot of reviews, and um, uh, it seems it seems that people. A lot of people really, really like it, even though it's so deadly, even in the beginning. And some people really hate it for that. I, I've read two or three different reviews that really they just said this obviously wasn't play tested. It's way too deadly. It doesn't match, you know, what the feel is supposed to be that I want in my game. And it, so, you know, there there are some there are some people who are, are relatively looking relatively poorly on it. And it's not. I think what it comes down to there is the anticipation or the expectation that you have the way the game is going to run and if you're if you're a new dm this is i agree with james probably not the product for you because it's going to be rough to run and that leads leads me to leads me to one of my uh final thoughts or my final thought um because we've been 10 minutes of final thoughts now (laughs) um that I find it an interesting choice as an introduction to the to the edition um, because it's a different style of adventure. Even if it's not explicitly ex- described as different, 
uh, as an espionage adventure, that's not your typical D and D adventure um, and your typical D and D story. And so it is an interesting choice um, to do a story like that. And and I don't know how much of that was Watsy, and I don't know how much of that was Cobalt Press. Um, to the critiques about the playtesting, I know for a fact it was playtested. I'm in, the, yeah, I'm still in yeah. the alpha playtest group, and so I I got mm-hmm. playtest documents on it. We didn't run it, mm-hmm. but I got the documents, so I know there were playtesting going on. But that's also one of the things they they talked about in interviews is that the playtesting was difficult because the rules were changing on them. Right? Mm-hmm. They were yeah. playtesting it, and they threw this specific creature at it, and then people playtested it with that creature, but the stats had changed, and suddenly it's oh, a t- yeah. suddenly it's a TPK. It's like oh, but it wasn't that oh, it yeah. wasn't that hard when we when we designed it. They changed the yeah. rules on us, you know. Right. I mean, um, I. I you know, I went on and I, I responded to any any kind of review that I read that that said things like that that I could really disagree with and point to evidence otherwise. I would say that you know, so I, that wasn't yeah, me and, and you that, know, saying that, what I thought. It was just what but I that's read. tricky as well too because as a reviewer, mm-hmm. like, fine, there's an excuse that that that. If if you were to say that it's bad for that reason, then fine. There's an excuse that it's bad. That doesn't change the fact that it's bad. You know? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. and no, I'm not no, saying no, yeah, it's bad, yeah. but to that reviewer, you know, it doesn't change. Well, the, I think the facts, it's the... it's not bad, but I don't think it's necessarily good for every group or every DM. Sure, I think mm-hmm. I think, so. I think it's, it's fine entirely for... possible for someone to read it and say, "Oh, this is a bad product." Yeah, I think it's fine for most groups if they know what they're getting into. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I and mean, that's hopefully where people uh, yeah. can be benefited by shows like this, right? Yep. Expectations. Well, I, I like it. Mike likes it. <laughs> I like it. I like the open-ended style. I like the loose, the loose narration of it. I like that you know it's not, it's not every single thing is spelled out down to the you know down to the five mm-hmm. foot range. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh, love that. There's I no combat maps. Yeah, in fact, some of the yeah. maps have twenty foot squares. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I didn't even notice. Oh. You just, stabbed, you just stabbed me in the heart. That oh. castle is humongous. It's yeah, that's true. That castle's I'm glad I'm not DMing it now. Man, oh. I can't stand 20-foot squares. And some mind. of them have 10. So for the, for the audience, make sure you pay attention because some have 5, some have 10, some have 20. Sometimes it just doesn't matter. Oh. Yeah, it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, you know, I, yeah, I said it before, but I'm, I'm, I, like, I like this one. I'm having fun running it. Uh, like I'm planning to continue to run it for two groups till it's over, and then I'm looking forward to the next one too. Yep. Yeah. Which will be yeah. out? Does anybody know when that'll be out? Yeah, October something, twenty first or something like that. Nineteenth, right. I think, or oh yeah, maybe twenty. And I should now that we're at yeah. the end of the review, I should for the for the sake of full disclosure mention that I got my copy of Horde of the Dragon Queen as a free review copy. So I did as well. Okay. I I paid I, I for did mine. Not. I bought mine and got it signed by uh, the authors. Mine's also signed, but uh, that, that had nothing to do with the fact that I got it free. I bought mine and didn't get it signed because I wanted to have a pure review experience. My, mine's, <laughs> You're the only unbiased reviewer here. My, no, no, no. Says, I bought mine and didn't get it signed oh, either. Okay. So mine is signed to Jeff, voice of the dragon, Wolfgang Bauer. Oh, <laughs> I am the voice oh, of the dragon. Mine was already pre-signed. <laughs> oh, you bought the pre-signed ones. Yeah, I went to the James. booth. James, it's it's Team Flump Beholder. I'm telling you, <laughs> the greatest team up in D and D history. Everyone knows. Hey, Flumps have eye stocks. That's you're right, exactly. And they're, they're just co- they're cousins. Yeah, right. they're just lame. There, there endeth the similarities. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to say that's the end of the episode. Sounds good. Sounds good. We would like to say thank you to our uh, co-reviewers, James and Tricasso. Woo! Where can, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at James Intercasso, or you can find me uh, at worldbuilderblog.me. Thanks. Cool. And our editor, uh, Sam Dillon. Woo! Sam, I'm, I'm taking over James's job. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the holder flump. Woo! 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 James Dillon from RPGmusics.com, the website that I never forget. <laughs> That's right. And how about you, Mike Shea? Uh, Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish and SlyFlourish.com. Uh, one plug, I am going to be writing up chapter-by-chapter chapter descriptions and tips for how to run this as I, as I learn Ooh, more myself. There you go. There you go. So we uh, talked about how each chapter could use a little bit of advice. Yep. Mike Shea is going I'm to provide that, that over at SlyFlourish.com. For each chapter, yeah. One of them's already out. The Burning Agreenus is already out. Sweet. <laughs> uh, we'd also like to thank Noble Knight, our sponsor, and all of you for supporting the show by shopping using our affiliate links to use Amazon and D&D Classics. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com or calling the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Uh, the show notes and other great Tome Show shows, like The Roundtable or Behind the DM Woo! Screen, can be found over at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 242, where we totally crashed a castle into a mountain. On this episode of... Go team Otiag. Ugh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>